Episode 47 Genesis 15 verses 1 to 6 The source of righteousness Jesus says that we are to be perfect just as our Heavenly Father is perfect and yet it's not possible for us to do so. When we start doing things in an attempt to merit His favour we actually move further away from Him because we start trusting in our own deeds. This actually becomes a source of idolatry and further separates us. In a similar manner, when we give any other reason, and I mean any other reason, than Jesus Christ as our justification for being suitable for heaven, then we are actually making ourselves out to be God's. We have now replaced God's word and his decision with our own decision. Any person on earth who claims they will be saved for any other reason than Jesus Christ's work is actually committing blasphemy against God. In this episode, we'll discover the source of righteousness and how to obtain it. When we do, we can confidently say that we have access to heaven and God's eternal home. Genesis 14 concerned the battle between the four kings of the east and the five kings of Canaan. It was during this battle that the kings of the east took Lot captive and carried him off toward their home. When Abram heard about it, he took his own men and chased after them, defeated them and rescued Lot and everything he had. When he returned, he was met by Melchizedek, the king of Salem. He was also offered the booty of the war he won, but returned it to the king of Sodom instead. This is where the account ended and it brings us to chapter 15. Verse 1 begins. After these things happened, the Lord spoke his word to Abram in a vision. Today, the Lord speaks to us through the Bible, as the book of Jude clearly explains it is, once for all delivered to the saints. Verse 1 continues, God said, Abram, don't be afraid. I will defend you, and I will give you a great reward from the Lord comes infinite goodness, and there is nothing less than good that comes from him. This is why the Lord promises to be Abram's shield and give an exceedingly great reward. In this one verse, then, is both something tangible and something that transcends creation and reaches into the eternal and spiritual realm. This verse is the first real hint which leads to the term which is finally found towards the end of the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. The Lord, our righteousness. It is he who redeems us from death, the shield, and he who grants us eternal life, the exceedingly great reward. If you're a Christian, you're Abraham's seed and heir. Here we are, 4,000 years after the time of Abraham, and the very promise which we just read, in essence, applies to us today. The promise stands because it is God's promise, spoken by his own mouth. The Lord himself is our shield and our exceedingly great reward. Verse 2. But Abraham said, Lord God, what can you give me? I have no son, so my slave Eliezer from Damascus will get everything I own after I die. In this verse is something for all of us to notice and learn from. This is the first time in the Bible that the term Adonai is used. If you take the time to look at verse 1, it will say L-O-R-D with all capital letters. In this verse it is translated Lord. 
with one capital and three small letters. There is one more way in which the Old Testament uses the word Lord, and that is with all small letters. L-O-R-D with all capitals, Lord, is translated from the divine name, Jehovah or Yahweh. Lord, with a capital and three small letters, is Adonai. This is always speaking about the Lord, but it doesn't use his name out of respect. The Lord, which is in all small letters, is speaking of a human. It is important to know these for several reasons, but for now, just remember that all caps is the divine name. A cap and three small letters is speaking about the Lord, or to the Lord, without using his name, and all small is speaking of someone like Mr. As you're reading the Bible, take notice of these differences, and you will better understand what is going on. Abram, using the term Adonai, indicates that he knows he is speaking to the Creator God, and yet, what may seem incredible is that he asks, What will you give me, seeing I go childless? This isn't a question lacking faith, though. He is talking to God, after all. Instead, it is demonstrating the high importance placed on having a child and a reasonable curiosity about how God will make him a great nation without one. The very fact of calling him Adonai means that he understood that he is sovereign and the supreme governor of all that happens. He is the one who will take care of every matter concerning his personal glory. Adonai is also in charge of everything you both want and need. He knows already what you will get. And if there is a promise to you, he will fulfill it. And if there is a desire of your heart, tell it to him plainly. Verse 3. Abram said, Look, you have given me no son, so a slave born in my house will inherit everything I have. As Matthew Henry says so beautifully, Though we must never complain of God, yet we may have leave to complain to him. A complaint isn't a lack of faith. A complaint is that state of mind that says, I am unhappy with how things are going. But there is something about complaining that helps us unpackage the very frustration that we're feeling. This might be what Abraham is doing here. He's feeling unhappy about not having a child even after the Lord promised that his descendants will inherit the land. Verse 4, Then the Lord spoke his word to Abram. He said, That slave will not be the one to inherit what you have. You will have a son of your own, and your son will inherit what you have. Abram is now given the promise of a son from his own body. It won't be an adopted son, a son of his house, meaning a servant, nor will it be a female. Abram is promised a son by the word of the Lord. When the Lord speaks, it will come to pass. Verse 5. Then God led Abram outside. God said, Look at the sky. There are so many stars. You cannot count them, and your descendants will be too many to count. Apparently, one cannot count the stars directly. 
due to the rotation of the Earth, which causes more to keep appearing on one side and disappearing from the other. Furthermore, it is probable that God was speaking to Abraham during the daytime. There actually is only one star visible in the daytime sky, and that is our sun. Abraham, nor anyone else for eons, knew that the sun was just one of many stars. But the Lord did. In asking Abraham to number the stars, he was giving him an impossible task. And yet he was pointing to the ultimate heir of the promise, Jesus Christ. In Malachi 4 verse 2, the last page of the Old Testament, Jesus is called the Son, S-U-N, of Righteousness. Abraham couldn't count the stars in the sky because it was daytime, and during the daytime the sun is so brilliant that it blocks out all the other stars from view. They are there, but they are hidden because of the sun's surpassing glory. And here we are, the children of Abraham, in a number so vast we cannot be counted, and above all of us, in surpassing glory, is the Son of Righteousness, S-O-N, Jesus Christ. And this leads us directly to the last verse we will cover in Genesis 15 today. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord accepted Abraham's faith, and that faith made him right with God. This is the first time that righteousness is said to be bestowed upon someone and it is done because of his simple faith, his belief in the incredible. In the Old Testament, if you look closely, righteousness stems from the Lord, not from us. In Revelation 19, right there at the end of the New Testament, we read this in verses 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And it was given to her that she should be clothed in fine linen, bright, pure, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The righteousness of the saints, it is a righteousness which comes not from our deeds, but from the Lord Jesus, and faith in his deeds. Please open your Bible to the book of Galatians and continue to listen to this simple reading from chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, which clearly explains how the law of Moses fails to bestow righteousness upon us. Justification by faith alone must be emphasized because if we somehow believe that we play a part in our righteousness, we deny the perfect justice of the Lord and destroy the only basis by which we can come before him, clean and forgiven. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. You people in Galatia were told very clearly about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But you were very foolish. You let someone trick you. Tell me this one thing, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit by following the law? No. You received the Spirit because you heard the good news and believed it. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit, 
Now do you try to continue it by your own power? That is foolish. You have experienced many things. Were all those experiences wasted? I hope not. Does God give you the spirits because you follow the law? No. Does God work miracles among you because you follow the law? No. God gives you his spirit and works miracles among you because you heard the good news and believed it. Verse 6. The scriptures say the same thing about Abraham. Abraham believed God and God accepted Abraham's faith and that faith made him right with God. So you should know that the true children of Abraham are those who have faith. The scriptures told what would happen in the future. They said that God would make the non-Jewish people right through their faith. This good news was told to Abraham beforehand, as the scripture says, All nations will be blessed through you. Abraham believed this, and because he believed, he was blessed. It is the same today. All who believe today are blessed, just as Abraham was blessed. But those who depend on following the law to make them right are under a curse, because the scriptures say anyone will be cursed who does not always obey what is written in the book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by the law. The scriptures say, He who is right with God by faith will live. The law does not use faith. It says, A person who does these things will live forever because of them. So the law put a curse on us, but Christ took away that curse. He changed places with us and put himself under that curse. It is written in the scriptures, Everyone whose body is displayed on a tree is cursed. Christ did this so that God's blessing promised to Abraham might come to the non-Jews. This blessing comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus died so that we could have the spirit that God promised and received this promise by believing. Verse 15 Brothers and sisters, let me give you an example. Think about an agreement that a person makes with another person. After that agreement is accepted by both people, no one can stop that agreement or add anything to it. God made promises to Abraham and his descendant. God did not say, and to your descendants. That would mean many people. But God said, and to your descendant. That means only one person. That person is Christ. This is what I mean. God had an agreement with Abraham and promised to keep it. The law, which came 430 years later, cannot change God's promise to Abraham. Verse 18. Can following the law give us what God promised? No. 
If this is so, it is not God's promise that brings us the blessings. Instead, God freely gave his blessings to Abraham through the promise he had made. So what was the law for? Verse 19. The law was given to show the wrong things people do. It continued until the special descendant of Abraham came. God's promise was about this descendant. The law was given through angels who used Moses for a mediator to give the law to men. But a mediator is not needed when there is only one side and God is only one. Verse 21 Does this mean that the law is against God's promises? Never. If there were a law that could give men life, then we could be made right by following that law. But this is not true, because the scriptures showed that the whole world is bound by sin. This was so that the promise would be given through faith, and it is given to people who believe in Jesus Christ. Before this faith came, we were all held prisoners by the law. We had no freedom until God showed us the way of faith that was coming. So the law was our master until Christ came. After Christ came, we could be made right with God through faith. Now the way of faith has come and we no longer live under the law. You were all baptized into Christ, and so you are all clothed with Christ. This shows that you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, in Christ, there is no difference between Jew and Greek. There is no difference between slaves and free men. There is no difference between male and female. You are all the same in Christ Jesus. You belong to Christ, so you are Abraham's descendants. You get all of God's blessings because of the promise that God made to Abraham. The word of the Lord. One may attempt to be justified by their good deeds done under the law, or they may be justified by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. There is no other option given for man or woman to stand sinless and in righteousness before God. Choose wisely. I was found a sinner from birth, even from my mother's womb. What good deeds could I do that would wash such stain away? No matter what I do, I have already offended an infinitely holy God. But then I found grace. God sent his Son into the world to take away my guilt, declare me righteous, and allow me to stand justified in his presence. All because of the work of another. I do not set aside the grace of Christ my Lord. In fact, I place my soul in his hands. 
knowing that any other choice is condemnation and eternal separation. Thank you, O God, for Christ, my Lord. Hallelujah and Amen.